0: Welcome to the James River Church podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor John Lindell. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. This morning we're in a uh, time of 21 days of fasting and prayer, and so if you've not jumped in, maybe you're you're new. Maybe you've been away on vacation. Maybe for some reason you thought, you know what, I'm just going to sit it out. Well, I'm going to challenge you to change your mind on that, to jump in, because we've got thousands of people that are fasting and praying. And the fact of the matter is, there are some things in our life that will only come through fasting and prayer. Jesus said as much in Matthew chapter 17. He said, talking about this boy that was sick, and the sickness was demonically induced. It was a stronghold. And Jesus said this kind never comes out except by fasting and prayer. I want you to notice, never. Some things never will happen in your life without fasting and prayer. There are some things only a fast will break. Some things only a fast will solve. Some things only through fasting will you know a victory. That's why we have regular times of fasting and prayer because we understand there are things all of us encounter in our life that unless God shows up in power, we'll not know the victory he'd want us to have. Fasting brings victory. When you and I fast, we see God do amazing things. Fasting is a hunger strike against hell. It causes us to see vertical solutions to horizontal situations. Fasting breaks the yoke of bondage. Fasting releases God's supernatural breakthrough power. Fasting gives us divine wisdom to the perplexing problems that we face. Fasting humbles our hearts and brings us to that place of dependency upon God. Fasting recalibrates our purpose. Some of you have gotten off track. You've lost sight of the call of God on your life, of the purpose God has for you. Fasting will recenter your life. Fasting can bring about supernatural protection and miraculous provision. Fasting results in favor with people. Fasting brings heaven's answer and hell's defeat. Maybe you're from a background where they don't talk much about fasting. Jesus talked about fasting. In fact, he gives us three duties of every Christian. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 2, when you give, we've got a duty to give. That's something Jesus prioritized. Number two, praying. Jesus said, when you pray, every Christian ought to pray. And number three, fasting. Jesus said, when you fast, not if you fast, when you fast. So fasting is intended to be something that you and I regularly do. I hope you don't wait till we do 21 days of fasting in prayer to seek the Lord. There are times as you go through your life where you encounter things, you encounter problems, you encounter situations where you need God's help in a supernaturally extraordinary way, fasting is an important thing to do. You don't have to have the church fast for you to experience the benefit of fasting in your own life. When it comes to a fast, the Bible gives us three kinds of fast. There's an absolute fast where people don't drink anything and they don't eat anything. You see that in the book of Esther. There are limited or normal fasts, abstaining from food, but drinking lots of water. Then there's partial fasts where people do a liquid fast, or they do a Daniel fast, or they fast from sunrise to sunset, or they fast a meal a day, or they fast two meals a day. All kinds of ways we can fast. Now I know there's some who would say, well, you know, I'm going to give up. I'm going to give up TV and social media, or I'm going to give up this or that. I'm not going to go golfing or fishing Listen, fasting, biblically speaking, is giving up food. Maybe you can't give up all food. Maybe that's not possible for you medically. But there would be things that you would normally eat or you would enjoy eating that you would set aside and you would say, "I'm not eating those because I am seeking the Lord." And anytime you desire it, it's a reminder to call on Him. And then you're using special time to seek God and to pray. Now listen, if What you give up means something to you. It will mean something to God. So here's what we're fasting for as a church. And I know you've had the brochure, but I'm going to kind of talk to you and just give you kind of a sense of what we're praying for. We're praying for a spiritual awakening across Missouri and our nation. Our, Our city, Southwest Missouri, desperately needs a spiritual awakening. The drug problem... The domestic violence problem, the poverty problem, all those things government can address but government cannot solve. It takes a spiritual awakening. A spiritual awakening will change that as people come to know Christ. We're praying for God to move in such power that people spontaneously are saved throughout Throughout Southwest Missouri, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that God would, would just pour his spirit out. We've had, we've had thousands of people, I would say, during this season filled with the Spirit, but not everybody's been filled with the Spirit. Our prayer is that every single person would be full to overflowing of the Holy, with the Holy Spirit. Healing, signs and wonders. So, uh, we're seeing healings, but we're not seeing all that we, we believe God wants to do or all that he will do. So we don't want to say, well, that's all being done right now. No, we need to say, Lord, we just pray that you would show yourself in power in a way we've never seen, and that, Lord, you would set people who have been, who have been um, laid up with debilitating disease, that they would be healed in the name of Jesus, and that there would be signs and wonders, uh, uh, miraculous things that would happen that, that everyone would know that, that it is the hand of the Lord. We're in a season where we're seeing record numbers of people coming to Christ and being baptized in water. But I want, I'm less concerned about a record. I thank God for the measurement that that tells us we're seeing more than we've ever seen before. But I'm not... I'm not interested in just more than we've ever seen before. I'm interested in everyone the Lord wants to reach out, that everyone who doesn't know Jesus would get to be, would come to know him, that everyone who's away from him would come back to him, that everyone who's not been baptized would be baptized, because that is when there will be a blessing of the Lord on the area and on their life. Praying for people to connect in life groups and grow track that God would put it on people's hearts. And we're seeing that. I mean, we're having record numbers here and I'm guessing we're going to have record numbers there. I mean, the church is rebounding in a powerful way. We're praying for the Design for Life Women's Conference. And as they're getting ready to go to have it here and have it down at, at the arena, the great Southern uh, Bank Arena formerly JQH. And we're believing God's power is going to fill that place. In fact, something interesting that's been happening there with all of this is um, Brandon and Debbie were talking. He said, you know, you ought to go to a few cities and have coffee with some of the leaders in those cities and just kind of hang out and talk about the conference. So we did the first one in Kansas City and 800 people showed up. They're getting ready to do one down in Dallas Uh, the end of the month with Earl and Onika, and they're saying they think they're going to have over a thousand people show up. So it's been a very interesting thing to watch the hand of God on this. They're going to be going to Baltimore, uh, Maryland. So God has given great grace there. And then for our schools, we're praying for revival. So our, our team was out at different campuses on Saturday, praying at the campuses, praying over the school, believing God's going to do something great. And we're praying for the, for the students, for the teachers, for the administrators. We're praying for revival. We're praying for safety. We're praying for there to be uh, just a great move of God in the schools. Amen. All those things are things we're praying for. And there are many examples of people fasting in Scripture and God doing extraordinary things in response to that. But this morning, I'd like you to look with me at 2 Chronicles chapter 20, one of my favorite stories on fasting, because in that chapter, we have the record of a king whose country was being invaded by an alliance of three countries and their armies. And this king... Rather than trying to see if his army was strong enough, rather than trying to see what he could do, he did the most important thing. He sought God. He called the people to a fast, and God did something supernatural. You see, the fact of the matter is, sometimes we're too smart for our own good. We're too strong to see the Lord's strength. We're too wise to seek him for his wisdom. We're too creative to seek him for his creative power to do something unusual. Fasting introduces supernatural solutions and power into our life that goes beyond anything you or I could ask or imagine. The king we're going to look at is a man by the name of Jehoshaphat. And the record on Jehoshaphat is A little bit mixed, honestly. He loves God and he wants to worship God. But he's a person who hangs out with the wrong people and his life is less because of it. The people you hang out with have a lot to do with what happens in your life. He who walks with the wise becomes wise. Proverbs 13 but a companion of fools suffers harm. Doesn't say you become a fool. It just says you suffer harm. Things happen to you that wouldn't have had to happen because you hung out with the wrong crowd. Chapter 19, Jehoshaphat confronted by the prophet Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him. Why should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord, he asked the king. Because of what you've done, the Lord is very angry with you. Even so, there is some good in you. Some of you are letting the wrong people have a voice in your life. And they're pushing you off course. They're steering you in the wrong direction. Their ungodly wisdom sounds so good, you're taking it As true wisdom. There are some and you want to worship God but you hang out with the wrong people. You hang out with people that you know hate the Lord. Some of you are dating people who don't want anything to do with the Lord. Some of you are living with people who don't want anything to do with the Lord. Some of you are planning on marrying a non-Christian. That's not godly wisdom, that's not a godly decision, and you should break it off. I realize even as I say that, that there are some, because people are quick to tell me, oh, but you know, we, he wasn't saved when we got married, and look at us. Well, for every one of those, I can find easily 100 people who have a story of horrible heartbreak. I would simply say, if you had a story where God was gracious to you and he redeemed you from what was a foolish decision, don't pass it off to people as something that is an acceptable alternative. It's not helpful for people. I'm not trying to be unkind, I'm just saying it's not wise. Praise God it worked out for you. It doesn't for hundreds if not thousands of people. We become like the people we hang out with. We're influenced by the things they say. Jehoshaphat hung out with the wrong crowd and it got him into trouble over and over. Again, this this godly man, this good man, this man who loved God found himself in unnecessary troubles because he hung out with the wrong people. This fast, honestly, for all of us, is an opportunity to do what Jehoshaphat did. It's an opportunity for us to humble ourselves. It's an opportunity for us to say, God, are there things in my life that are not pleasing to you? Are there things in my life that maybe I, I, I thought were okay, but now I'm saying you want me to do less of or none of so that I can get more of you? Jehoshaphat began to follow God wholeheartedly, and when you do that, you're going to see miraculous things happen in your life. Let's, let's look at it. Chapter 20, verse 1. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, and with them some of the Mayanites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. All of them east of the Jordan River. They're crossing the Jordan River. They're coming to attack Jerusalem. So men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, They are in Hazazan Tamar, that is in Gedi, which is right down against the Dead Sea. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid. It's a normal response. It's an overwhelming situation. It's three countries going against one. And maybe today you're in an overwhelming situation. It it could be physical and and the, the illness that you're facing is debilitating. It could be financial, it could be relational, it could be marital, it could be any number of things, occupational. You could be in a job where things are going terrible, and it doesn't look like it's going to get any better. And maybe you're afraid, or at the very least unsure. Can I just encourage you that now's the time to fast and to seek God and to say, God, I want what only you can do, because I know you can do things I could never do. Verse 3, look at it. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. They're seeking, they're seeking, they're seeking. They're not just going out without food, that's dieting. They're going without food and they're calling on God. They're setting their heart on God. They're seeking God. The word is is an idea that carries the idea of a wholehearted devotion, a a leaning into God, a getting a hold of God, a desperate looking to God. It's a word of consequence in the Bible. When you see it, powerful things are going to happen when people do it. Jesus said, seek and you'll find. When, When your whole heart is engage in asking the Lord to do what only he can do, he's going to show up in your midst. Jeremiah 29 and verse 13, you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. There it is. In the Bible, when that word is used, it results in success it results in peace. It results in life. It results in a revelation of God, of who he is, of what only he can do, and his power. So they sought the Lord. They're, they're going deep. They're confronting those areas of their life where they had not been wholehearted. Listen, this is, I think, one of the challenges of fasting is not to get distracted. I, I realize it's easy to, to get You know, distracted by this or that. You can't do this, can't do that. This is a time to really set your heart on seeking the Lord. And if you're struggling to do it, then you really know you need to do it. If you're struggling to do it, let me just suggest this to you. That the enemy is scared to death that you will do it. The last thing he wants is you seeking God. The last thing he wants is you wholeheartedly leaning into God. He's afraid of what will happen. He knows what it does. So here's Jehoshaphat, he's praying, and has this beautiful prayer. In verse 6, he recollects who God is, and he talks about how he rules over the kingdoms of men, how powerful he is. In verse 7, he talks about what God has done and a bit of the history of the land. In verses 8 and 9, he recounts scripture and scriptural promises of what God has promised to do. And then in verses 10 through 11, he begins to make his request, or 10 through 12. In verse 12, we read this. "O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That is a great prayer. Maybe you need wisdom today. It's a wonderful thing to say, God, I really do not know what to do. And honestly, my resource and my intelligence and my wisdom and my connections will never resolve this problem. I need you to do something for me because in this whole situation, I'm weak and powerless. My eyes are on you. Listen, you can, you can pray and you can ask God to help you in times like that. And the good news is God will. I think of when we were in Kansas City, and and through a turn of events, we had a a situation where we needed to come up with tens of thousands of dollars, and we had 10 days to do it, but three days had expired because the mail was slow in getting me to the notice, not that it would have mattered. I couldn't have come up with it in 10 days. And I can remember when I got that that letter, I can remember saying, the only answer to this is we're going to have to fast and pray. And I remember fasting, and I remember laying that letter on the floor in the bedroom I was using as an office. And laying on my face before God and saying, God, you know and I know there's no way I can do this. Lord, you also know that I've been walking faithfully with you And I've been in a covenant relationship with you. I've given you a tenth of all I've ever made and offerings on top. I've been faithful and I know that you'll be faithful to me. But God, I've got to have your help because there's nothing that I can do to solve this. Without me making calls, without me trying to engineer things, without me doing anything that I could do in Six and a half days. The money was provided. I'm just telling you, God can God is a God of miracles, and he delights to show himself powerful in your life. And when you fast, he is going to show up in your life in ways you can't begin to imagine. Here's the problem: too many times we talk ourselves out of it. Well, I don't know whether I don't. God might do it for him or her, but he wouldn't do it for me. Or I don't know. I I, I mean, I just don't, I don't even see how God could do it. Like, because we couldn't see how he could do it, that he can't do it, really? We need to just rest in the fact that his ways are not our ways and his thoughts aren't our thoughts and he can do things you and I haven't even begun to imagine in ways we never would have thought would happen. But when you and I fast, we're putting ourselves in a situation for supernatural help, and supernatural power, and things to happen that wouldn't happen any other way. Verse 13, meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord. You're going to see Lord or God 30 times in this chapter. This is a a chapter about God, which tells us when you and I are fasting, it's about God about what he can do, what, he only can, what only he can do. It's about you and I having relationship with him and seeking him. It's about you and I hearing from him. It's about you and I believing him. It's about, But it always comes back to God. When you and I are fasting, it's about God. They stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Here's what they're doing. They've told God what they need. Now they're waiting for an answer. I hope you do that. I hope you wait and say, God, I'm just going to be in Your presence. If nothing else, just sitting in His presence can strengthen you. Sitting in His presence can calm your heart. Sitting in His presence can change how you the anxiety in your mind and can fill your heart with peace. Sitting in His presence can make a massive difference in your life. And sitting in Your presence, in His presence, often brings an answer as we wait on Him. Verse 14. And the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah. And he said, listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid. He's going to say that a couple times. Why is he saying it? Because they're afraid. It's interesting. Three hundred and sixty five times you'll have that phrase in the Bible. Do not be afraid. Or fear not if you're a King James person. There's one fear not for every single day of your life. In other words, God's got enough grace and power that you and I shouldn't have to fear any single day, any single circumstance, anything that that comes our way. goes on and says this in verse 15, Thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde, For the battle is not yours, but God's. It's going to say that again in verse 17. Here's what fasting does. What fasting does is it takes my problem and makes it his problem. Isn't that awesome? Don't you love when you can give your problem to somebody else and say, solve it? Isn't that a great feeling? Don't have to worry about it. Not my problem. Fasting does that. Fasting says, God, I'm giving you my problem because I can't solve it. And God says, great. I will fight the battle for you. When you and I fast, our battle becomes his battle. Our problem becomes his problem. Verse 16, tomorrow, go down against them. Behold, in other words, can you believe this? They will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. This is a very interesting thing. He doesn't tell them why they're not going to need to fight. He's just telling them, you're not going to have to fight. You see, a lot of times what keeps people from walking in the peace of God and the confidence of God is they don't understand the word of God. Spoken to their heart. Where God says, I've got this. You're like, great, but what does that mean? I mean, I got it. I mean, what does that mean? I've got it. Well, but what about, I've got it? You see, too many times we have the idea that unless we have all the details of the plan and we know how it's going to work, we can't, we don't have enough information to trust God. The only information you and I need to put our faith in God is his promise. That's all we need. His presence, that's all we need. If you sense the presence of God, you're hearing the word of God, really, in a very real sense. If you sense God is with you, then you know God's going to take care of it. Here they are. He's saying, you don't need to worry about this. What's going to happen is, there's going to be an ambush, but there's nothing said in this promise about an ambush. There's nothing said about how God's going to solve it. It doesn't make sense. There are three armies. Now they are 10 miles away. And God is saying, I'll fight the battle. You don't need to worry about it. Look at it in verse 17. So amazing. You will not need to fight this battle. Stand firm. Hold your position. See the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. Oh, Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. Very interesting. He's saying, you're not going to have to fight it. Just stand firm. Hold your position. Don't be afraid. Don't get discouraged. Don't be biting your fingernails. Tomorrow, go out, and the Lord will be with you. Why do they have to go out if he's going to fight the battle? Because he wants them to see what he's going to do. And so, no word of anything. When God speaks, it could be through his word. It could be through a friend. It could be through a still, small voice. He's not going to give you all the details. But he is going to tell you, I've got this. He is going to tell you, you can trust me. He is going to tell you, I'll fight this battle for you. He will tell you to stand firm in your faith. I would say this, sometimes you don't hear what you'd like to hear even in that. I think back on the letter, I didn't hear one thing from the Lord. You say, well, didn't that bother you? For some reason, it didn't. I mean, all I can say is, I knew what I knew. I knew I'd been faithful to God, and I knew I was fasting, and I knew I was praying, and I knew He was reading the letter, even as I was laying on my face. And when I got up, I just knew. Without a word, I just knew. Listen, what we're doing, what we're talking about here is something so incredibly powerful. At some point, you got to decide whose dog you're hunting with. I grew up on a farm, so there's another one of them. You know, at some point, you got to decide are you in or you out? Either it works or it doesn't. Either he's God or he's not. Either prayer is powerful or it isn't. At some point, you got to decide if you're in. You got to make that decision. You got to say, Listen, I'm in. It's, the word's true. I believe it. I can remember doing that. I can remember fin- finishing that day fasting, and then I can remember not fasting anymore. And not worrying about it. Just simply saying, this should be really interesting to see how this works. So I would love for everybody to get a word from the Lord. But I'm reminded, even as I'm speaking to you, sometimes you don't get a word from the Lord. But that doesn't mean he's not God and he's not going to help you. Because you're asking him to help you. You're inviting him into the situation. And you can count on this. He is faithful. I think one of the that you really trust him is when you can walk out of that time and say, God, I just thank you. God, I just worship you. I just thank you that you're a God who hears me and have that confidence to worship him. I think really our ability to worship is the true way we understand where our heart's at in moments like this. Well, verse 18 Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord. So they're getting the word, and what do they do? They worship. I mean, nothing's changed in their situation. You see, sometimes we have the idea that, that, oh boy, when God comes through, I'm really going to worship him. Well, how about you worship him before? How How about you shout the shout of praise before the walls of Jericho come down? How about you worship him before... The, the battle is won. They were worshiping the Lord and the Levites of the Kohathites and the Korites, which are clans in, in the Levitical tribes, stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. They did it just like we do it at James River. They had a great time praising God. They had a huge problem. They prayed, and the problem wasn't gone but they were going to praise God. They were going to believe God. Look at it in verse 20. And they rose early in the morning, and they went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe. Believe his prophets, and you will succeed. I put this in here because really this whole phrase is not in the Hebrew. It really reads like this, believe in the Lord your God, believe, and believe in his prophets, and you'll succeed. Believe. 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 That's all God wants from you is you're fasting, you're praying, so believe him. And when you've done everything you can do to believe him, then believe some more. And when you've done all you can do to believe him the second time, then believe him again. And say, I believe God. I believe he's faithful. I believe he's going to go before me. I believe he's going to help me. I think that's a word for somebody today. To believe God. I want you to notice something else here. Believe his prophets. You know, one of the dangers, I think, in our Western Christianity is... It's become very individualized, so it's all about us. I can hear from God. I don't need anybody to hear from God for me. I can hear from myself. Thank you. If we go down that road, it becomes very much about us. And nobody has all the pieces to the puzzle in their box. We need one another. And there are people who have a prophetic gift, and I'm not talking about the old kind of Old Testament kind of prophetic gift. We're going to talk about gift of prophecy as we go through the fall here. We're going to talk about the different spiritual gifts. In the new covenant, prophecy isn't condescending and condemning and angry. It's encouraging. It's strengthening. It's comforting. 1 Corinthians 14. But we need to hear from others who have a word from the Lord for us and when we hear that word from the Lord, in many senses, it's designed to give us the peace that comes from hearing from God. We err if we say, well, I don't, I don't put any stock in prophets, and if somebody gives me a prophetic word, maybe, maybe not. And I'm not, I'm not saying we shouldn't test it. I'm just saying we shouldn't alienate ourselves from it. He says this, that's a strong statement, believe, in his, believe his prophets and you'll succeed. So it's not just believe the word of God, it's believe the prophets who, are, who God sends to us to encourage us. And some of you may absolutely get a prophetic word from somebody this week. And when, when you do, and it's relative to this, then believe his prophets and you'll succeed. So here they are, there. Hearts filled with faith, verse 21. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army. I mean, they're not, they're not wearing their flak jackets. They're not carrying their, their guns. They're not, you know, got their grenades. They don't, they don't have anything. They just are dressed to worship the Lord. And they're going to go before the army. It's an amazing step of faith. They're putting people that are just dressed to worship in front of the army. That's the level of confidence they have in the Lord's ability to deliver. Let the Holy Spirit work in you a faith to believe God. If that's all that happens out of this fast is you grow in your ability to believe the Lord relative to the things he wants to do in your life and beyond this this fast, you'll leave this fast totally different. And as they went before the army and gave thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever, so they're singing praise. Listen, as, as they're singing praise, watch what's happening. The Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah so that they were routed. We don't know what this means, but we assume there are angels dispatched to fight. Wouldn't you love to have seen that in the supernatural, to watch that battle going down? They're just worshiping the Lord, and while they're worshiping the Lord, God is fighting the battle for them. Listen, if... If you can understand this, when we, when we gather to worship, and I, I, I really appreciate, because I think as a church we've gotten, we've gotten way better at getting in here at the start of service, and I, I'm not here to make anybody feel bad. I realize you got kids, you got Life Happens, so if, if you're late, you're late. But at the same time, when we come in here, the opening songs are not just warm up till we get to the message. The opening songs, we're doing battle, we're setting the table while we're worshiping the Lord's fighting, while we're worshiping the Lord's battling, while we're worshiping angels are at work. Our worship and our praise has everything to do with releasing God's power in this place. What's, what's happening is there's, we're setting the table in our worship for the Lord to fight the enemy, to do something supernatural. So here they are, there are ambushes that are set. And then in verse 24, it says, And when Judah came to the watchtower of the wilderness, they looked toward the horde, and behold, there were dead bodies lying on the ground. None had escaped. And then we read on in verse 25, and when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil, they found among them in great numbers goods, clothing, precious things, which they took for themselves until they could carry no more. They were three days in taking the spoil. It was so much time. And on the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barakah, for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of that place has been called the valley of Barakah to this day. So the valley of battle Because they fasted and prayed, became the valley of blessing. And the blessing was way greater than the battle because the battle lasted just half a day. But the victory and the blessing went on for three days, and they're worshiping the Lord. And they returned every man to Judah and Jerusalem, and Jehoshaphat at their head, returning. To Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. And they came to Jerusalem with harps and lyres and trumpets to the house of the Lord. And the fear of God came on all the kingdoms of the countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for God gave him rest all around, right? When you and I fast and pray, God fights the battle and God wins the battle. And you and I then give him praise and glory because he's worthy of praise. Lord, we magnify you.